0: Sometimes I feel I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata, buona serata, buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> 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 you don't have to get a bad you, you? you don't have to get a bad Attaccare! Attaccare!
1: Attacare!
0: Oh yes! We're back. Well, I'm back. The Euro Show was back last week. But welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio on a Monday evening. Nick DeBano back after a bit of a hiatus, took a bit of time off. Not really time off. I was still working. But unfortunately <laughs> had other commitments last week. Wasn't able to make the return for the Euro Show. So the man to my right here, Josh Parrish, took the reins last week with Ante Jukic. Fantastic program. Great to have Ante in to fill the shoes. I think he filled it and some. Uh, but it's good to be back.
1: Nice of you to take the Pep Guardiola sabbatical. Actually, no, better comp, better comparison. The Diego Castro preseason. You like to play your way into the sh- into shape, and then you- absolutely go camping
0: for a bit, <laughs> caravanning. Yes, that's it. Go out into the outback and uh, find myself with you know just have a bit of a sabbatical. Mm. And uh, yeah, but to be honest, I was the furthest thing from it. It's been a very very hectic <laughs> six weeks, and uh, we're back here. Monday night, a lot's been happening in European football um, over the past six weeks. Obviously, there was a bit of time off with the Christmas break. Uh, Some leagues powered through during this period. You know, Omicron's gone nuts Mm. over in Europe. It's really uh, wreaked havoc on many of the leagues, and especially with uh, crowd numbers. We know the Bundesliga playing behind closed doors. they are crowd numbers down to 5,000 only in stadiums for the next week uh, to try and curb the spread over in Europe but this football is still going ahead and in Serie A this morning potentially the best goal of straw in the in modern history some were calling it it was such a fun game between Atalanta and Inter to the point to the point where it had the Napoli Twitter admin even <laughs> saying their congratulations and saying how great of a game it was to translate what the Napoli Twitter admin said on uh, straight after the game he, well, he or she was sheep said, uh, Napoli congratulates Atalanta and Inter for having played a beautiful match made up of honest and spectacular football. Basically saying, good stuff on the draw. It helps us out. It means we're not under the pump to lose our spot in the top four, but we're still in the title race. Good stuff, guys. I think it was the comunicato official version of, uh, I'm a Napoli
1: fan, but that's class. Yes. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Clapping hands emoji. Basically, basically, that's, that's some that's some lame stuff yeah. from a league that has really taken on board the the newfangled approach to uh, social media admin. Mm. Uh, I mean, really, Roma set the the course for that kind of you know meme universe. And uh, Napoli have gone, that looks like the owner tweeted out, one of the shareholders who had access to Yeah,
0: it looks like uh, he thought, oh, that was a good game. I should say something on the Napoli Twitter. Well, we know one thing for sure, Josh, when a shareholder has holes of a Twitter account, it doesn't always end (laughs) up very well. Um, But in terms of the game this morning, Atalanta and Inter, massive result in terms of the permutations for the side's Chasing Atalanta against the top four. We know Juventus with a win over the weekend. They're right on their heels right now. And then obviously at the top, Inter with, you know, basically on top of the league right now with Milan and Napoli still in the hunt. It brings them back down to earth. Inter have been flying pre and post-Christmas break. Um, Fun game. Plenty of good saves. Sami Handanovic winding back the clock to his... uh, mid-2000s form. Uh, one Musso at the other end making a big save on Dumbledore you late. Mid-2010s.
1: Come on, don't do him,
0: don't no, do him hey, like Josh, that. Josh, he's been on a slippery slope now for <laughs> a few years. Inter fans will tell you themselves that it was incredible to see Handanovic to an extent, wind back the clock. But for Atalanta, it's a massive result because they had a lot of players out due to COVID protocols and they were able to push through against basically a full-strength Inter team who we know they won the Supercopper a few days prior against Juve. But still, knowing how deep Inter's squad is, it's a big result for Atalanta. There were some amazing saves in this game. It was a goalkeeping masterclass
1: from both. I mean, Musso's save, this sort of trailing... Well, not trailing, but he was leaning back and managed to get the palm mm. on that ball. It was such a powerful strike from I think it was Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, uh, there were some beautiful passages of play. I think uh, I can only join Napoli in congratulating them and <laughs> an honest and uh, well-spirited and beautiful match. Uh, a nil-nil draw, as the Italians would say, is in many ways the perfect game because any goal is a mistake.
0: I guess so. I mean, yeah, <laughs> back in the old days, back in the days of Cattinaccio, back in the Archie, dark old, dark back old old days, days of the days. 80s. yeah, Yes, but now, we know now the Italians like to thrive on high-scoring affairs, especially mm. for some of the, uh, the football hips, the favourites such as Sassuolo. But this game in itself, when you look at the stats, you know, 1.14 XG for Atalanta to 1.52, I don't think tells the full story. There are a lot of good chances for both teams, as mentioned, Inter... Do have a game in hand on Milan who play tomorrow morning against Spezia, but it opens up the door for Milan to jump them. Napoli is well in action tomorrow morning against Bologna, so then Napoli can narrow the gap to only four points. But Milan, it's a massive opportunity because Milan has started to find a bit of form after losing a couple games pre the Christmas break. They got a win against Roma and Venezia and a win in the cup against Genoa, but a big game tomorrow against Spezia. They've found a way, Milan. They've had a lot of defenders now out. With COVID and injury, Simon Kier, we know, did his ACL earlier in the season. Uh, Alessio Romagnoli and Fakaio Tamori missed with COVID. Then Tamori came back and got injured. Davide Calabria has been out as well. And a host of players out due to AFCON, such as Benesse and Kessi The attack, on the other hand, though, they have basically hammer and tong. I don't know if you've seen Rafael Leal how well he's been playing at the moment. His brilliant chip uh, last Friday in the Cup. But he's been the man that's been the talk of the town recently. And if anyone's going to be able to get them over the line, well, they shouldn't have a problem against Spezia tomorrow morning. But Rafael Leal is the guy to look out for. He has been brilliant this whole season. He's one of those guys that went from your proverbial whipping boy to basically being the guy. And just a slight plug to the national curriculum. But we were talking about Elvis Camsoba last night, about how you know he's gone from being the whipping boy and the guy that would miss a lot of chances. And everything he'd do would be magnified because the big moments he had were chances in front of goal. Mm. Rafael Leal was a very similar sort of player at Milan for his first two seasons, squandered a lot of golden opportunities, would fade in and out of games. The things he would do would be heavy touches and squander this and squander that talk of selling him. But this season, my God, he has improved.
1: That's uh, the story with a lot of young players, I suppose. When, once they find their feet you know, he, he's the kind of player that frustrates you because he kind of looks lethargic on the field, like the way yeah. he moves, the way he runs, or even his, like, facial expressions. He never <laughs> quite looks too fussed. He uh, looks really happy all the time. Just yeah, he's just sort of blissed out and doesn't really... Like, he's just a vibes player. But when you start seeing him take on more responsibility when other players are out of the, out of the team... And the onus is on him. That's when you start to feel encouraged by Rafael Leal's progression. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see that he's finally living up to his undoubted potential. One of those players, uh, like a Cam Sober, who flatters to to deceive at times, if I can get that out, uh, who, I guess, inflames the uh, passions of supporters who... Feel more frustrated by eye catching players who let you down rather than players yeah. who ghost and don't do anything on the pitch, um, but probably has more potential than any of those guys. So, yeah, Milan keeping within touching distance with this result, and as you say, can go top of the table, which really highlights the fact that Serie A is the only legitimate title <laughs> race in Europe's top five leagues this season. Maybe. Maybe Sevilla can do something or in La Liga. Dortmund
0: somehow can. Uh, that's that's really not happening. I just don't see it. But in terms of Milan right now, you've got to give testament to them. And again, they've weathered all these COVID and injury crises throughout this entire year. They've done brilliant to do so. But um, this game against Betsy is massive because you look at what's coming after that a, a home game against Juve, the international break, and then a derby against Inter. And that derby against Inter probably will be title defining. They've. Had these remember last season they met in February around the same time and it's a blue Milan out of the water and that was basically the death blow to the scudetto their scudetto hopes. So when you look at this game, these are these sort of games when you're in the title race. These are the banana skin games. And Spezia have been a banana skin for some teams. Even for Milan last season, Spezia beat Milan last season, one of the few teams to beat them. And earlier this year, they almost got something from the reverse fixture at their home at their home ground, obviously, this being at the San Siro, I don't see Milan necessarily having too much of a problem winning this game, but I think it'll be an intriguing watch nonetheless because of Milan's defensive outs. They're scratching the bottom of the barrel defensively, but also in midfield. First three choice centre-backs and centre-mids are out of this game. You know, defensively without Romagnoli, Kieran Tomori. Um, midfield without Beneser, Kessi and Tadali suspended tomorrow. So they're really going to have to push through this game because this has all the hallmarks of potentially being a game that a Milan team from the past mm. would slip up and lose or drop two points. And Spezia would know that. They'd know that there's a golden opportunity in Milan right are ripe for the picking in that sense. But seeing who Milan have got up top and their firepower for tomorrow morning, uh, it presents a golden opportunity. And just another note in this game before we move on. If Zlatan Ibrahimović scores tomorrow, he will become, I believe, the he will be the player who has scored against the most opponents in uh, the top five leagues. So at the moment, him and Cristiano Ronaldo have scored against 80 different teams. He'll go to 81 tomorrow if he scores against Spezia. It helps when you're 78 years old. And you've played in France, <laughs> England, Italy, <laughs> uh, Spain. Aging mercenary
1: clocks yeah. up predictable milestone. Hey, it's still a cool achievement, it is. nonetheless. It yeah. is very cool. Uh, you know, he's he's more lion than man, as he loves yep. to say. I, I want to bring the conversation back to Atalanta because, yep. you know, it wasn't too long ago that we were saying that Atalanta was sort of this crossroads and Gasparini falling out with star players. And uh, they've been able to sort of reinvent themselves and cope with many, many absences and still keep in that top echelon of clubs. It seemed like the Atalanta fairy tale was over, uh, but... Far from it. They're still delivering these great performances. And I, I wonder whether a player who's left Atalanta, like maybe Piero Luigi Galini, sorry, um, maybe regrets that move because he hasn't he's played playing, a Premier no. League game yet. He's only been mm. the cup goalkeeper at Tottenham. And they're playing in big matches now. They could potentially not win the title, but play spoiler in this title race because they've still got to play Juventus and Lazio. That game on the, uh, the second last round of the season, mm. game of May about. <laughs> against Milan, shapes as a really exciting one, because yeah. that could potentially determine where the title ends up, which is, is a kind of cool position for Atalanta to be in, mm. uh, when you thought they were past their
0: peak as a, as a unit. There's a, something special about the Atalanta-Milan fixtures, Yeah, something very symbolic about these games, because... Not only are they geographically close, Bergamo is a small province just outside Milan. So they're geographical rivals in that sense. And when Atalanta weren't what they are, they were always kind of spicy in the terraces, especially when yeah. Milan would go to Bergamo. You knew that it was going to be, you know, a tough crowd. It's a hostile. Now just it's still random ridiculous. explosions going off in yeah. the crowd. And you know when there's random explosions <laughs> in Serie A, it's a good game. Um, Atalanta, though, just before we go back to the symbolism of that game, they have this tendency to start season slow and then hit their strides now. Like they find that it's like they're slow starters. There's always talk about Gasparini falling out. And then something just changes. It's like I don't know if they go on some internal retiro that we don't know about and they just all get on the same page. Just
1: sicko mode activated.
0: Basically, yeah. going to turbo it's, gear. It's and they always find a way to hit form. I am not ruling Atalanta out of making a bit of a late push. Really? You know, right now Atalanta being out of Champions League, I know they've got Europa League against Lipyakos but I wouldn't rule them out entirely. I think that they're just too dangerous. They're going to get players back and they've got players hitting form. Uh, Mario Pasolich starting today, playing closer to goal was a great move. I know he had to, and he should be playing there every single game, but they played him out of necessity more than I don't think that he would have started if Ilicic was there. But they're playing some good football and they're getting guys back, you know, getting Remo Froyla back, um, you know, having now a full strength defense is a big thing as well. Getting Mary Dimero and Palomino on the pitch together. I think this is going to be an interesting time now because if Atalanta can string together some results, Lazio haven't been playing some good football. They've been so streaky this year. We don't even know what to expect from them. But then after that, it really opens up. You know, Juve, tough game. But the games against teams like, um, you know, Fiorentina, Sampdoria, Roma as well, I think they should have an, have an issue with. But then it really, towards that period before they play Milan, there's a string of games that they really should be winning against Venezia, Salernitana, and Spezia. And that matchup against Milan, we talk about symbolism. You've, uh, I've, you've heard me and Ante speak about the famous 5 0 in Bergamo, which was the changing moment in Milan's history. Their last meeting in Bergamo, not, sorry, not this season, last season, the final game of last year, was to decide if Milan were going to make the Champions League or not. And Milan won 2 0 in Bergamo to get there. Atalanta, you know, had to rely on results then to go their way, and they still snuck in. Whenever these two teams play, there's high stakes. There's a different feeling to it. And I think that game, I'm not too sure Inter will be playing at that time. But wouldn't it be great if, you know, Napoli sort of close by, if Atalanta's closed the gap and we've got a bit of a four-horse race by that time? You know, I'm not ruling it out. I, I think there's a chance, if it's not four-horse, that Atalanta could definitely be right in the mix. Inter's last four
1: fixtures of the season, Udinese, Empoli, Calgary, Sampdoria.
0: That's pretty yeah, soft. Yeah, that um, that's worrying. That's worrying for the title contenders. It is. But you look at Inter's next few games, this period that's coming up in uh, January, February, this is going to be the real test of Inter's metal. Um, You know, after playing Empoli in Venezia, they've got Milan, uh, Napoli the following week, Liverpool in the Champions League, Sassuolo, Genoa and Salernitana. Liverpool again at Anfield. But then after that, there's a host of tricky games. Mm. Torino away, Fiorentina, Juve, Hellas Verona. They still have to then play Roma, I know Roma's Roma, but there's still enough quality So what you're testing. saying to me is now is gonna be it. This is where it's gonna be the time. If Inter get through this period, I think they'll win the Scudetto.
1: So we could get the situation where Inter actually drop off in this heavy period of games and they end up being the the chasers that trying to close down
0: and, and shrink that potentially Milan title lead. One thing we've got to remember from the difference to last season, Inter were not playing in Champions League or Europa yeah. League at this point. They bombed out. They did exactly what Milan have done right now. Um, I know it's not something that's planned, but in this point of the season, when you're focusing on the league, arguably the better thing is to do is to bomb out. Like, and for Milan, then out of the four teams, the only team that's not playing in Europe at this point of the season, uh, the Re- Napoli and Atalanta are playing in the Europa League. Juve are still in the Champions League. I know they're still technically hanging around. They're like an annoying pest. They're just still there somehow. But this is going to be a really, really intriguing watch over the next two months. And that Milan Inter game after the international break is going to be massive. Like, I really hope that by that stage, the COVID situation in Italy improves a little bit so they can get more than 5,000 people into the Sunset or at least 50% at least have 40,000 people in there. You want to have a pumping crowd. The worst part about the Derby's last season when it was tight, they'll played in empty stadiums and 5,000 inside an 80,000 seat stadium. You may as well be playing with no one there. So this is going to be a fun period. And Milan, on the other hand, it opens up for them after that Juve and Inter period. It's going to get a bit easier for them in terms of those games. So I can't wait to see how this all transpires. But Josh, before we get to a break, we touched on Juve. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about a certain player from your a. a. little bit later on, we get into our segment of potential free agents. But they are hanging around. And I hate to say it, they're still there. Somehow. It's like, you know, the the Jesse Pinkman uh, meme. You know, they can't keep getting away with yeah. this. But they are winning. They're yeah. not playing well, but they're still finding a way to get results. A 2-0 win on the weekend. You know, Weston McKenney scored. He likes his ranch sauce, Weston McKenny. But they found a way to get the result. And yes... We ruled them out, but they're not gone yet it's that's star two 2.0 you know we blew up the first one, but now they're back bigger than ever
1: they're hanging around like a bad smell, which is fitting considering the celebration favored by their uh, their best player yeah um he's a little uh discombobulated at the moment he doesn't he doesn't quite agree with the club hierarchy and how the contract negotiations have gone. He's got an expiring deal at the end of this season, so the clock is ticking for Juve to either cash in on Paulo Dybala or lose him for free mm. in the summer. And he scored a lovely goal and made a very pointed celebration right in the direction of Pavel Nedved in the stands who was covering his face. Yeah. He, which seemed a cowardly move. You just you just got to sit there stoically and not just react. Him, yeah. You know the TV cameras are going to cut to you. I mean that that didn't send a good message to me and you know, Juve, despite the fact that they keep winning and you know they keep getting these consistent results and staying within touching distance of the, the top four, I, I do wonder whether
0: the internal politics at Juventus win, will end up costing them. Potentially. And I mean, for how long now have Juve been trying to force Paulo Dybala at the door? It's felt like he's been an unwanted child for so many seasons. And Dybala has constantly come out and refuted, saying, I want to be here. He is the ugly stepchild of Juventus. But he's the he's the ugly one, but he's the one that is arguably the most important. They should he's be their best player. They should be presenting him with the glass slipper and saying Absolutely. you are the one. Like It's crazy to me that
1: Juve wouldn't lock up their best player for years to come. And they, they keep kind of negging him by giving him runs in the first team and then benching him for key games. It's been, I think, an unhealthy, toxic relationship mm. between Juventus and Paulo Dybala for years now. i got to ask
0: you the question, Josh. If Dybala and leaves Juve at the end of this season, have Juve wasted the potential of Paula Dybala? Oh, absolutely. Mm. I mean you Juve the
1: uh question hanging over them and the I guess reason for the club's spending and ambition mm. is to win a Champions League. Yeah. You know, Scudetto's uh or Scudetti, I should say. Uh
0: they monopolised that. Yeah, they <laughs>
1: monopolised that for years and did it bring them happiness? Yeah. Did, it, did it bring them fulfilment as a, as a club? I don't know that it did. You know, you can celebrate every year with the trophy, but when it was a mere formality that Juve were going to win the title every yeah. single season, you know, it didn't mean as much. It wasn't fun. Like, you know, the It fun certainly wasn't fun for everybody else to watch no. either. Uh, now that Serie A is competitive again, uh, I guess maybe the Scudetto means more. Um, yeah. for Juventus to win it back. But well, it's like the, the Champions League, they never won it. They never won it. And if Dybala leaves without them winning a Champions League, you have to say that this generational talent they had in their midst has been wasted. They had Ronaldo at the club as well. The two players there at the same time. I know they didn't necessarily fit together how they might do in uh, you know fantasy football, but that's got to be a slap in the face for Juventus.
0: Yeah, and the thing that you've got to remember as well is that it's a situation you mentioned about a Scudetto. It's like you only miss it once you've like you are gone. The heart yeah. grows fonder. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And if they won nine in a row, it was like last season, like, geez, this is what it's like to lose the league, like not win it. Like, mm. this is weird. And for Juve, they sold their soul to Cristiano Ronaldo. They did. Like, it's, it's pure facts. They broke up. The best partnership in strike partnership in CDR that got them within a whisker of winning the champ. I know they got spanked in the final by Madrid, but they were in that game for a lot more than what maybe the scoreline suggests. But that front line was working. Dibala, Gonzalo Higuain, Mario Mandzukic as well. I know he was getting a bit older, but it was a functional team yep. that was working under Max Allegri. And then they decided, all right, Ronaldo's available. And I know that I watched the Prime documentary and I see how Andrea Agnelli said, "With Cristiano Ronaldo's available, you'd be dumb not to go after him if he wants to come. Yeah, sure. But was it really what they needed at that time? No, it wasn't. They had the players. They forced Higuain out the door. Higuain was not the same player after Ronaldo came in. We saw he went to Milan. He went to Chelsea. He came back. You know, he. we can joke about, you know, the situation with his weight and everything like that. But... They sucked the life out of the club with, with by doing that. Dybala became disenfranchised. He, became, he was benched. Mm. He, was, he was the guy. If you're reading into that 2018 World Cup, he was the guy. Like, you know, I was thinking mm. DiBala, and Messi playing in the same team. Oh, my God, what could Argentina do with these two? It's just such a shame to see how it's ended up. He's 28, which it's remarkable to think he's now 28 because I still think he still looks 23. Um, this guy, wherever he ends up, I just hope that there is just – a situation where it's going to be good for him and he's going to be able to play and they're going to be able to use him to the best of his ability. Where that might be, though, we'll talk about it a bit later. That's going to be the tough part. Yeah. Because who's going to be able to pay that money?
1: I, I still kind of think he's going to sign again. This is the problem with Dubala for me. is he's, he's got all the ability in the world, but he's always gone back to the sort of safety net of being at Juve again and again and signing contract extensions and staying when and not pushing for that move to a different league or a different club where maybe more burden of expectation would be upon him because Juve have never really made him the guy.
0: But is this the straw that breaks the camel's back? Maybe. Maybe, I maybe they, it's different this time. I know that they want Gianluca Skamaka and they're going to have to offload one of Dybala and Morata to facilitate that. Like It just won't work you know. bringing Skamaka in, who they're planning to literally be their guy for the future um, if you're going to have Dybala and Morata because he's not going to play. For me... I li- I really like Alvaro Morata. I like the Morata-Dibala par- partnership, but I don't see how Scamacca and Morata work together, but I see how DiBala and Scamacca can work together. That, for me, is a very, very tantalising prospect. That's the problem prospect. with Juventus. Is they're, always, they they're, always, they're, always,
1: they're always looking for the next thing and the next signing. They never They never appreciate what they have. And mm. you know, the, the, they broke up the in dibala partnership. Yeah. Now they might break up the Marata dibala partnership and make them same mistake twice. And it's really just other areas yeah. of the team that need improvement. The front the front third is He's
0: fine. fine. It's yeah. great. Yeah. They've still more got, than fine. They've still got, you know, another player that's completely forgotten in this whole puzzle, Moise Keane. They sold him and he was clearly the future of the club. They sold him to Everton. He was wasted for a season at Everton. He found form at PSG. They bring him back and he's not playing. You know, they decide, like, they completely neglect their midfield. Their best midfielder, they want to ship to bloody Burnley or Newcastle, which it's ridiculous to even think about. Well, it's least their most creative midfielder. I think Locatelli is their best midfielder, but their defence is in disarray. God knows what's going on with Matty DeLith right now, whether he wants to be there. Mm. Um, their fullback situation. My God, Alexandro. The last few weeks, the last few months, it's been this slippery slope of him just mistake after mistake after mistake. They're still relying on Matia, Decidio. For God's sake, that is not a backline that's going to win you a win you a scudetto. When you see what Milan have got defensively, their back four is sensational. Look at Inter's when well, fit, <laughs> when fit, of course. But you look at those defenses and even Napoli's, and that is a good backline. Juve's, it's like just plugging place, places and seeing if it all fits. Juan Cuadrado is still their number one right-back, and he's not a natural right-back. He's is, had a good season. This, this is the other thing that gets
1: me about Juventus. It seems to be different standards and different rules for different players. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Rabio and Alexandro can fail upwards as many times as they like and Federico let Benadeschi down well. the team in big matches. Um, Bernardeschi is another good example of a, of a favourite son who never seems to get the boot when he needs to leave. And, you know, they look at Dybala who consistently produces when he's played in the right position and the creative is the creative fulcrum in the team and still they're not convinced by him oh, maybe we could get someone better. Maybe we could, you know, bring in Skamaka instead or uh bench him in the Champions League in knockout stages. Yeah. It's just it just doesn't make any sense to me. I d I don't know uh why the club is run in this fashion, why they're always got their eye yeah. cast elsewhere. Uh, I guess the club's plan was to already be in a Super League by now, you know, so maybe the Serie
0: A yeah. and the Champions League is beneath them now. But And to be honest, they've probably still got plans for it. Mm. Let's be real. I don't think Andre Agnelli's been that idea along with no. Florentino Perez and co. But that's well, a he, story. he got the
1: Champions League free reforms that he was looking for out of yeah. the whole thing, so maybe it was a success after all. Well, but, but Juve, you know, their squad is still good enough for them to be in contention, even despite making all of these strategic errors over yeah. the years.
0: Well, looking at just other Serie A games this weekend, Roma 1-0 against Cagliari. And no, Christian Volpardo did not play. So thank that was good to see Twitter. Nice and quiet this morning. Uh, But as I mentioned, go listen to TNC. I had a little bit to say about that one. But he might play on Friday against Lecce in the Coppa Italia. Um, The other ones as well, Hellas Verona, Sassuolo, 4-2 Hellas Verona. Of course, this was going to be an absolute cracker. Barak with a hat-trick. He's one guy to keep an eye on in this off-season as a player to potentially make the move, the Czech Attacking midfielder, eight goals, four assists this season. He's been sensational along with Giovanni Simeone. A lot of players and even Caprari Kap- Kap- is the other one. Those three players, I tell you what, they will feature heavily at the end of the year in transfer talks with a lot of big clubs. So keep an eye on that. Um, and Skamaka did score as well this morning, continues his great form. Lazio 3-0 over Salernitana. Torino 2-1 over Sampdoria. Sampdoria sacking Roberto D'Aversa, and bringing back Marco Giampaolo And I can't believe... Seeing that, I genuinely, like, putting it bluntly, I pissed myself seeing that because I don't know how he's still hanging around. He's just he's like the Italian Alan Pardew, but just hasn't done what Alan Pardew's done, if you want to call Alan Pardew, making the FA Cup final and getting Newcastle to the Europa League. is doing something- a lovely
1: little dance.
0: Yeah, basically. But Gianpaolo, there's there's this famous gif of him when he was at his, when his Milan introductory press conference where he's doing the sign of the cross and everyone was just this whole thread of, you know, the same gif under um, Di Marzio's tweet this morning. Yeah. Um, but also tomorrow morning, as mentioned, Milan, Spezia, Bologna, Napoli and Fiorentina Genoa. Genoa sacking Andre Shevchenko mm. on the weekend after only nine games. I did not like that one little bit. Did, did you uh, look at the article about Fiorentina's owner in, financial, Camiso, yeah, I sure in did. the Financial Times. That was, was funny. If you haven't, go read it. Rocco Comisso is an interesting character. He's a,
1: he's a real-life Sopranos character. Genuinely. He's, a, he's a nouveau riche uh, Italian-American who's come back to buy uh, a club because you know he got his education through a football scholarship or something and he's Italian, so he loves football. Um, And he's just wondering why the fans haven't automatically heralded him as a hero and saviour just because he spent money. He's raging against the the Florence City Council for not uh, allowing him to rip down historic buildings and, you know, uh, excavate Roman ruins. He's like, (laughs) we got walls in America too, you know. Uh, It's hilarious stuff. It really is amazing to see, uh, like, how rich people think and how entitled they are when it comes to thinking their money
0: is going to automatically talk and do the talking for them. It's, it's so funny. And after you read the article, just go on YouTube and watch his press conferences. They are even more hilarious. Just seeing him in the action is unbelievable. I would love a Rocco Camiso character down here for the presses. That would be great. I mean, well, We, we had, had one. It was called, called Clive Palmer. Oh, true. He's yeah, the Clive yeah, Palmer yeah. of Italian that, football. That, that is true. Um, we just had a correction from our wonderful producer, from Frimpong, that... Yes, nine Serie A games Andrei Shevchenko uh, coached and two cup games and the final one mm. being against his beloved Milan. They full gave him a plaque and everything on Friday and then he was gone a few days later. Maybe he'll go back
1: into Ukrainian um, politics.
0: To be honest, maybe or maybe Milan will snap him up as an assistant. I'd love to see him coming and dual, dual threat under Stefano Pioli. I reckon it'd be great. Just, uh, just pulling the heartstrings. Keep your bit. comments coming
1: through on the Twitch, by the way. Vaktri says Agnelli is the problem at Juventus. Well, he's not yes, going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. That's one thing. <laughs> That's, That's the problem. A, yeah. It's you know you can't you you can sack a board, but you can't sack, sack the owners. Cone.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll take a short break here on the Euro Show. When we come back. We'll dive into what we t- we sort of tease a little bit in the Twitter promo, a little bit about some of the big names coming out of contract at the end of the season. Having a look ahead at who may make the move. Some big names in that free transfer. Who may agree to a move now and join in June. Through the, through the Bosman rule, some of the players who might also join in the January transfer window. But we might also take a look at who's going to replace Rafa Benitez. Is it going to be Ange Postacoglu, <laughs> as one person suggested on Twitter? Find out a little bit later here on the Euro Show on FNR Football Nation Radio.